Quiz. We made it fail because the casting sucked. 50 Randy Quiz. A movie all about magicians. 50 Randy Quiz. The jerk off my mind muscle. We watch movies so you don't have to. Cage Talk. Welcome to 50 Randy Quades. I am your host with the most Nicolas Cage movies. The most humble man you'll ever meet. Chuck Banner. And with me, my co-host as always. JT Bullshit Magician Money. And we have a Beloved returning guest host, Johnny Spade. Yeah, we got the Spade back. This is episode 118, hashtag Gage Talk Edition 48. Next. You're feeling extra raspy tonight, Chuck. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you got to get raspy. Sometimes you got to sing. Sometimes you got to do you know impressions sometimes you've also got to lol yeah you definitely have to lol you know lots of love lots of love to every single person right now listening if you are listening to my wonderful voice then lol lots of love lol get it got it give it good and just so you know we watched next the 48th Nicolas Cage Classic. And if you have any questions or if you have any comments, you can go to 50randyquades.com and you can let us know what the fuck is up. And I just want you guys to know that if you can see the future, you can save it. Yeah, I guess. You can also waste my fucking time. Well, we're not going to waste our wonderful, wonderful listeners' time as... We will introduce the trailer right now for next. Tell me what just happened. What did you see? If I do what you want, you'll keep me in this chair forever. Johnson has the ability to see things before they happen. And if you can see the future, you can change the present. But that kind of power has a price. You can see things before they happen. Only my future, except with you. I saw far beyond anything I'd ever seen before. You need to get away from here. I believe that the urgency of the situation compels the use of any and all resources to obtain Chris Johnson. I've seen every possible ending. None of them are good for you. Millions of lives are at risk. You could prevent a major catastrophe. It happened. It just hasn't happened yet. On April 27th, every way I try, she still ends up dead. She's still alive. We all are. Let's try to keep it that way. You may think you know what the future holds. Who the hell are you people? But nothing can prepare you. Don't do it. I already have. For what happens next. I made a mistake. It's happening. Now! And we are back in the flash of a magician's hand because... <laughs> We watched the movie next. A movie all about magicians. Well, I don't know if that's accurate. 
it's about a magician who names himself Frank Cadillac. <laughs> well, if you're new to the show, 50 Randy Quades, we just want to let you know that this is Hashtag Cage Talk Edition. And we're going to talk everything Nicolas Cage. Or at least we mean to. But we are gracious and humble hosts. Some of us are. We allow for a warning before all the spoils happen. That warning is going to be now, and it's going to be in the form of uh, three seconds. So I'm going to count down from three, and then after that, you know, we're going to spoil the fucking shit out of this movie. Three, two, one. Well, half of what happens in this movie doesn't even fucking happen, so who gives a shit if I fucking spoil it right now or not? I don't even feel like doing it. I'm just going to wait. I'm too mad about it right now, honestly. Let's move along. Well, I mean, there's a lot of watch checking. <laughs> I mean, there's things that happen, obviously. Nick Cage is a precog. He can see two minutes into his own future, except for this one woman who he sees some further amount of time out into the future. And they get all involved with each other's lives. And she gets blown up by a bomb, maybe, but doesn't. But then also gets like kidnapped, but also doesn't get kidnapped. But they definitely bone. That much I know. Well, they definitely fucked. But that doesn't make any sense to me either. But we'll get to that. Uh, there is one thing I have I want to know specifically about because I didn't write it down knowing that you would take care of it. What's that? Nicolas Cage's hair. Oh, you, you know I wrote. You know I wrote. It's, it's literally in the first sentence of things that I wrote down about this movie. I knew it. I fucking knew it. Not only was it within the first sentence, it's literally the first thing I wrote down about this movie is what a hairpiece. What a I hair literally, piece. I literally at one mo- point mentioned to uh, Johnny Spade that I was like, I don't even need to talk about the hair because I know JT will fucking cover it. I was going to get to it right off the bat. Let's just say, not a great hair piece, but definitely a great look. (laughs) (laughs) So, the movie next is an action sci-fi thriller. Sure. I think Johnny Spade had said, what what did you say it should be? I took a note right here. It's a romantic action movie. The new genre. There, all right. So what's I can't remember the name of it now. It stars Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart. I know what movie you're talking about. I fucking love that movie. Where he's like, uh, he's like a government like experiment. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And then like they activate him and they're coming to like fucking take him out, but she's involved in the whole thing. Because she was like his handler or something. Oh, that movie was fucking awesome. I love that. I thought it was awful, but I really liked it. Oh, I loved it, dude. I loved it. It set out. It did exactly what it wanted to do. And to me, that's a successful movie. It was like American Heist or something. American something, maybe. It, I don't know. I loved it. But it wasn't this movie. But romantic action. This definitely had that romantic backbone. I think that's actually part of what saved this movie. No, to me, it's part of what fucking made it fail because the casting sucked because those two have no fucking believable chemistry at all. Jessica Biel and Nick Cage. This is the movie actually where it works because he can see like every conceivable option to where it will work. I still don't like it because I don't like them together. Whether or not he can. (sighs) cheat the system and get this woman to fall in love with him it has nothing to do with the fact that as actors i just don't like their chemistry together realistically i think nicholas cage could have pulled it off a lot easier had he not had the hair that he had oh my, in this movie oh my god the hair didn't matter no one even said anything no, about no, the, the hair. hair did matter a lot because it did not look good at all what i'm saying is it didn't matter to anyone in the movie because it's not like anyone said anything about it and it's not like he didn't get to have sex with her so like it worked for him it should have mattered in that aspect bro you just love but either way you just love people shaving their heads that's all it is you got a weird fetish for people doing that isn't he always wearing like that style of jacket in his movies like he wears the same jacket and gone in 60 seconds but it's black he always has like the jacket with the two diagonal zippers okay i gotta look for that from now on yeah but he was also stealing cars like this was gone in 60 seconds he was jumping over fucking train tracks like this was the fast and the furious like 
I don't think he was in that, though. I know he wasn't in that, but he's playing in the car movie thing. Plus, 50 Randy Quaid's has a hard-on for fucking Fast and the Furious, so why shouldn't I make the connection? You make Seinfeld connections when it doesn't fucking make any sense, so... Oh, he was wearing a puffy shirt in the beginning. <laughs> There's our Seinfeld Yeah, connection. I wrote it down, I was like, puffy shirt. Puffy shirt. <laughs> this movie next was rated PG-13 for intense sequences of violent action and some language. Was there much language? I don't remember. I don't recall, to be honest. I think there's probably more language in my notes. Oh, I guarantee you there's more language in my notes. I watched a video one day where they were talking about like ratings, and they said PG-13, you can get one fuck. You can say fuck once, and it's still PG-13. I think you can get some titties, too, once. Like Maybe like a flash. Yeah, I think it's also a time thing as well when it comes to the nudity. But they didn't create that until, like, PG-13, I think, came out in, like, the early 80s after, I think it was Raiders of the Lost Ark, it might have been. Yeah, because things were PG and had some crazy shit well, in it. Well, that's what I'm talking I think in all the, Indi- the Indiana Jones movies were PG, or at least the first one was. And there's a Nazi gets his fucking face melted off and whichever one they change yeah. the rating on. Well, have you ever seen Poltergeist before? I think that came out in 82 or 83. I think that's a PG. It is the PG and there's that scene where yeah. someone's face melts in that one too. I'm like, how the fuck did they get this as a PG rating? PG-13 didn't exist. You were PG or you were R. Or G, I think, was still there. Yeah, G. General audience. Oh, yeah. So, this made sense as a PG-13 to me, though. They had it figured out by 2007. Yeah, by April 27, 2007, to be exact, when this movie debuted at number three for $7.1 million. Pretty good, I think. And especially considering the lineup that it was up against, I thought was actually a pretty decent lineup. Number one, Disturbia, $9 million in its third week. That was actually a fantastic movie, I think. Never seen it. Don't remember it. Shia LaBeouf, right? Yeah, uh, The Invisible, I actually don't know what yeah, that is. I don't is. know what that movie is either. Don't know what that is. I know The Invisibles. But, but $7.7 million, brand new. Um, and then this movie, $7.1 million. Uh, number four, Fracture, $7 million in the second week. That's a good movie. That's a good movie. I remember liking it. What is it? I don't know what it is. That's the one with Anthony Hopkins and Ryan Gosling, I think. Yeah. Just based on those two, I think I could fuck with that. And then number five, Blades of Glory, $5.1 million in its fifth week. And that's the Will Ferrell skating movie. I know what that one is. I believe I actually have that in my collection. I don't think I've seen that one. It's fine. Jenna Fisher. I think it's funny, but it's like, it's Will Ferrell's stupid comedy funny. Yeah, well, yeah, he's done some dumb movies that I've never mm-hmm. watched, like that one, and then there's the soccer one. I don't know if I've seen the soccer one. Yeah, I never one. saw the soccer one, but I actually think The Blades of Glory is pretty funny. I don't think I've watched the basketball It's fine. One His cohort in that is the guy who plays Napoleon Dynamite. And but it's got a really main, good supporting the main, cast, The uh, woman lead is Jenna Fisher from The Office. So, yeah, Chuck, you're definitely right. There's a good supporting cast, but it's dumb Will Ferrell and dumb Napoleon Dynamite type of comedy. So, yeah, but that's what you got to know. If you like that humor in any sort of capacity, it's worth seeing. If you want to put a movie on that you don't care if maybe you fucking check your phone while you're watching it or get up and make a sandwich. It's like Dumb and Dumber. Because I like like fucking Step Brothers. Like, that's Will Ferrell. Yeah, it's similar to that. But no, it's not quite as successful in being absurd as Step Brothers is because John C. Riley isn't involved. He adds a whole other fucking flavor that a guy, I think his name's like John, I can't remember his name, Napoleon Dynamite, like he doesn't quite bring that same level of skill that John C. Riley does. It, I believe, came out though, like uh, like 2007. I think that was right around when Napoleon Dynamite was pretty big though. I think Napoleon Dynamite was like 2003 or 2004. It's been a cult hit since then. Yeah, but that popularity stretched for years though oh it still goes to this day it's still a cult movie uh but this movie had like a 70 million dollar estimated budget and here in the states 18.2 million dollars and then in all foreign lands 59.4 million bringing in a grand total of 77.6 million dollars this movie made money not a success though nick cage he's breaking the box office but not going to be considered a success like uh, a hollywood studio is not going to look at making 7.6 million on a 70 million dollar investment and go perfect let's keep doing that again because this definitely felt like and we're right in the cusp of that era the kind of movie that maybe it does i just don't know it could have gotten a sequel if it would have been done right 
No, I'll say you're basically setting up a guy with superhero powers that it points in his fucking fantasy to make feel like a superhero. I guess that's the thing, though. Most of it was in his fucking fantasy, so he's not actually doing that superhero shit. But you could have played it that way and turned this into some kind of little franchise, but that didn't happen. But it's funny that a $70 million budget wasn't enough to make it a good movie. Like Chuck pointed out, like these special effects are awful. That train scene specifically was really bad. Well, there was another scene where he was like... When he was running down the cliff and the logs were falling down. Yeah, yeah. dude, that was fucking trash. Yeah, that was really bad. And it's just like, dude, I've seen movies from this time. I've seen movies from before that time. Like, Did the, but No, because if you go back and look at other movies from this era and probably with similar budgets, there were still effects companies that were figuring it out. You know, like this... Nowadays, I feel like obviously this would be unacceptable but back then there were animation companies digital animation companies that were still fucking working out the kinks and this was good enough obviously not good enough to get a big hit but it was it got buoyed overseas man i'm crazy like it's crazy to see it almost got 60 million overseas well it's an action movie that stars nick cage but you get like iron man a year later yeah i think we were talking and for its time that was fucking outstanding visual effect we were talking about that on a recent episode like i think it was during the ghost rider episode about the rise and the timing of when all those came and yeah it was right in this time period it was iron man the next year and that's the one that really blew the lid off of the potential of superhero movies because what had they done before that incredible hulk and some other things that just didn't hit Fantastic Four, handful of times. Those Spider-Man movies. Yeah. Spider-Man yeah, movies like. with Tobey Maguire. And... The Spider-Man were successful, for sure. But those were different. Like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. It was almost like that had its own universe. Because if you take it back like that, then Batman was hit huge in 1989. And even... Yeah. Yeah, I don't think the, the 60s one had as much success. Superman. The Superman, Superman movies were, were big. Yeah, was that back in the 70s? Yeah. With Christopher Reeves. Iron Man is what hit for what they were fishing for, which is the current Umbrella universe that they've created. Yes, correct. That's what they were trying to hit. They wanted to build those teams up. And this, again, they could have created their own little weird universe built around Frank Cadillac with his precognition skills. Get a whole bunch of other people who have limited abilities that could be expanded. Because they obviously show us he can do more than two minutes. So it's funny that you say that. I... I noticed that there's a show coming out called Next, and I think it's roughly the same sort of thing. I don't know for sure because I haven't done a lot of research. I literally saw it a day ago or so, and before earlier when I was getting the sheet together, I I didn't really look it up because I was kind of crunched for time. I could see that being a thing and also being completely unrelated to this just because it's such an obvious name title and premise to stick together. Yeah. It looked like the guy from Mad Men in it, too. The guy that played Roger Sterling. Okay, yeah, yeah. The guy with the white hair? Yeah. I like that guy. And did you notice that this was uh, this was based off of a novel? Yeah, by Philip K. Dick. Called The Golden Man? Well, that's when I saw that. I was like, all right, at least the story maybe has potential, depending on how they adapted it. Because one of my favorite movies, or actually two movies of all time, uh, Blade Runners, both of them, that's based on Philip K. Dick shit. Yeah, this says a TV show is a fact-based thriller. A fact? Fact-based thriller. Excuse me? <laughs> and it does have the guy from Mad What Man. the fuck is a fact-based thriller? I don't know. About the deadly or the emergence of a deadly rogue artificial intelligence. No, yeah, that doesn't sound like this at all. But this movie was uh, written by a group of people. Gary Goldman, Jonathan Hensley, and Paul Burnham. Burn Bam. It's probably Hensley. And yeah, Burn Bomb. What did I say? Henslay. <laughs> I like Henslay better. Yes, he is the slayer of hens. Henslay! That might be what the name means. His fa- he comes from a long line of henslayers. My name is Jonathan Henslay. Comes from a long line of chicken chokers. <laughs> I guess the way it's spelled, it's more like he's, he's riding a hen as a sled down the side of a hill yeah both could work he's got a hand on each foot and he's like skiing and they're like squawking the whole way down he's just fucking whipping down the hill he's like i can go at least twice as fast 
That sounds dumb. So this movie was also directed by uh, Lee Tamahori. <laughs> yeah. Does that sound about right? I'm not going to correct you. And uh, it stars the one true God, Nicolas Cage, as Chris Johnson playing Frank Cadillac. I have to point out that it's Chris without the H. Yeah, yeah. Really bad way to write, Chris. Sorry to any of our listeners who spell Chris that way, but, you know, just at the age. And um, it also uh, stars Julianne Moore, who plays Callie Ferris. I would like to just take a moment, since Chuck put on a different tone for Miss Moore, to point out that I love Julianne Moore. I but, but do not geez. care for her. She is not very good in this movie because I think she knew what kind of movie she was in. And she's like, oh, okay, I don't have to try that hard. Yeah, she was pretty awful. Yeah, I think it's just because it's how she is. That, that's, you're right to be wrong, but believe that. Uh, Jessica Biel plays Liz Cooper. I think she did a fantastic job. I think Jessica Biel is an awful actress and was as good as ever here. I feel like she was probably like the best performance in this movie. That's not saying an awful lot, though. I know that's not saying a lot, but I mean... That's, that's not saying much. I'm still giving the nod to Nick Cage just because at this point... That's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter if Nick Cage is terrible. It's still engaging to me. I'm still going to be entertained by him. We I don't think we've quite gotten to the point yet where he's phoning it in. And maybe he doesn't ever phone it in. I, that can't be true. There at least I don't necessarily know if he phones it in ever, but I would say... All right, what was the last Ghost Rider? And then there was, uh, what what was it called? The the Wicca Man, 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 man. Oh, I think he I think he tried real hard on the Wicker Man. Yeah, I'm not saying that he didn't try hard. What I'm saying it, it was universally disliked. It was a shitty movie, though. Despite the that performance, is the movie that started the swing of what is has somehow made people believe that Nicolas Cage only does bad movies, and it's because there's a swing of... I would say, what, this is the third movie in a row that could potentially be, like, labeled bad movie or, like, garbage movie? Let's be real. If we're keeping it from what we've covered from Wicker Man forward, they have all been bad. Well, and it's only been a few movies. But they've all been bad. I'm just saying. And I know he puts puts out good movies afterwards. Mandy is one of my fucking favorite movies, period. And he put that out in 2018. So he obviously puts out good movies still. Yeah, he was in uh, Spider-Man, the animated movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That movie was fan-fucking-tastic. Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, who was he in Into the Spider-Verse? He was the noir Spider-Man, the black and white one. What? He was in a movie called like Black Death or something, wasn't he? It was like a medieval movie. I haven't seen that one. Oh. Outcast. I like that movie. I try to... Like hold off on watching any Nick Cage movies unless they look so overwhelmingly good. I just try to wait until we get to him here, which could be years from now, but I've waited this long already. Nah, I mean, we're chugging through. We're already past the halfway mark. Yeah, that's still a ways to go, though. Even if we did nothing but Cage Talk next year, nothing but Cage Talk, that'd still only be 24 of the movies left. Let's talk about how Jim Beaver stars as NSA Director Wisdom. I thought there was going to be... I, I Obviously, after the first couple of people i didn't know who was gonna be a big role in this movie didn't matter he was in like two scenes i think the guy with the mustache is that who that was her partner or like the bad guy like the main bad guys would have been better in terms of screen time but that dude's name that dude's name is jimmy beaver and his name is (laughs) director wisdom like well i thought it was funny because his name was beaver Jimmy Beaver, like penis and pussy. All right, so the IMDb breakdown for this movie is this. A Las Vegas musician who can see into the future is pursued by FBI agents seeking to use his abilities to prevent a nuclear terrorist attack. I'm pretty sure you just called him a Las Vegas musician. We'll find out. Okay, so check it out. First thing on my notes, as we've already If covered. I did say musician, I meant to say he's a magician. No, but let's get right down to brass tacks here. First thing, boom, what a great hairpiece. Second thing, Cage is back in Vegas, baby. Yeah, it's been, what, a little minute since he's been in Vegas? He spent a number of movies in Las Vegas, and yeah. Oh, a lot of them. And he's back. He's back here again in this one, playing precognition magician. 
So the bi- bias, the basis of this movie is you can see two minutes into the future, but only anything that like directly affects him, right? And I was saying to Johnny Spade, I was like, well, I would use this to probably just win the lottery like once. How would you? You only got two minutes. Two minutes. Yeah, but if like time to win the lottery. What if you're at the gas station? Like, when do you have to put your picks in just before that they pick them? Because that's enough time to sit at the counter, see what the numbers are, and be like, "Hey, give me these numbers." I I don't know. I don't know. And ever listen, Chuck. Chuck, let's be real. Everything to you is a scheme of how can I find a way to just win the lottery. So that's not surprising. <laughs> or do like like bet bet everything you got on like a long shot that you know is gonna win. But he also brought it up though because he was going around the casino, so he's trying to get more money. Why not go yeah. to the fucking pull some auto pick? Or like if he's worried about being able to keep coming back and like consistently winning, so he keeps his head low. Just travel out of town up to Reno or some other place that's not where you live. Get a big fucking score using your abilities and then just never go back there. Like, I don't get why you don't get a big score somewhere else. Or lose some of it back. Do whatever you got to do. Like, but it, it just seemed like he was intentionally avoiding an easy way to just get a bunch of money somehow. The one thing I was thinking about when he started, like, going around the casino to make money and they're, like, watching him. It's like, you know, you've seen like the mob movies where they fucking see somebody counting cards and they like take them out and break their legs or beat the shit out of them. So I looked it up one day because I was like, is it illegal to count cards? And it's not. And from what I've read, like if you get caught doing it, they'll just won't let you play blackjack anymore. I, I don't ever think I could spend the ability, the mental exhaustion it would cause to count the cards. I'd rather just play. It's not that hard to just play blackjack like... I don't know. The I I don't know. I've always had good luck with blackjack, though. And you're not a gambler. But the only times I've gambled is like in a casino for real. Is playing blackjack. The one time that we took that trip when you and uh, our king were playing in that poker tournament, and I had nothing else to do because I was just tagging along, and I sat down at a blackjack table to kill time, and I happened to make eight hundred dollars and be able to pay my rent that month. So he also says that. Every time you look at the future, the future changes and then everything else changes because of it. So that becomes like a huge thing because he does. He says that later on in the movie, obviously, too. But like there's so many things that I feel like they didn't really address. It just it kind of contradicts itself because he had to look into the future to see that that woman's necklace was going to fall off of her neck. And also how fucking convenient that just happened to be happening in that room at that time. But once he looked and saw it, wouldn't that change when it would happen, maybe? Or does it not necessarily change? Does it change something else? But that was still going to happen no matter what. Yeah, I guess that's interesting. I don't know how that works. That's the thing when you start fucking with time and time travel of sorts. And that is trying to reconcile all the rules, which can get very sloppy. And why I generally don't like when people fuck with it. Yeah, that's why this movie, like, messed up for me is because I'm just sitting there watching it and trying to pick apart what's going on. Because once he gets towards the end and he's, like, putting himself going in all these different directions, and even when he was, like, met Jessica Biel at that restaurant and he was, like, playing out all these scenarios, I'm like, can he do that? That's why I started to question it, too. Like, I thought it was really cool that they could show you this is what would happen. Exactly, yeah. But then when it turns out that half of the movie was just a big what if that could happen or what if that did happen, that's when I was like, that's too much. Especially because that was way longer than two minutes. I think what it showed was, and this is my theory on that, but part of my problem in this specific movie that they don't address is I think having her there with him increases his abilities. Because she herself, like, she's a conduit for him to be more powerful, which is why he could sense her from further on in time, too. So when they get together in person, she gives him the ability to look forward even further. Obviously, like, what, hours or a full day into the future at that point? And that's why it does make sense what you were saying earlier, where it almost seemed like this was, like, the first piece in... Like maybe a trilogy or something of next movies. 
It could have been if it would have been handled right. I think it's an interesting concept. Because that's exactly one thing, like, because right now all we can do is hypothesize that that's what she is because they never addressed it. Like, he even said, he's like, I don't know why you're important, but you're important because, like, I saw you when I can only see two minutes ahead. I saw you clear as day, knowing what time it is, just didn't know a day. So while all that's going on with him in, in in Jessica Biel, you've got Julianne Moore as an FBI agent trying to chase him down and use his abilities to help them find a Russian nuclear warhead that has apparently slipped through their fingers and is going to be set off somewhere in L.A., they've determined. Then you've got the bad guys who are also looking for Frank Cadillac because th- their boss... A person we never meet but knows that Chris Johnson is important. Who's that motherfucker? Who was the guy that was in charge of the nuclear bomb thing that wanted Chris Johnson dead? We don't ever find that out either. No, we never find out. So that's another thing that we don't learn or find what's happening. It's like the movie we got is incomplete. I don't know if that was intentional or they like cut the shit that had the important stuff on accident. I feel like it was intentional and I don't understand why. I've said before I don't mind when a movie leaves me with more questions and answers, but not this way. Because this didn't give me enough answers up front to care about the answers to the questions I'm left with. We had covered that he's in that restaurant and he or that diner and he replays that meeting her over and over and over and over and over again. And then the one that finally gets her is the one where he gets punched in the face. Of course, make yourself sympathetic. When you look that fucking stupid, you gotta be sympathetic. I couldn't get over his hair in this scene. I know, you're bringing up the hair more than I am. I feel like it was a very poor choice in hairstyles. Because, like, immediately when I first saw him, it was like, it looks like a bad comb over. I'm not gonna lie to you, it's one of my favorite parts of this movie, and that's not a joke. I think it was the perfect choice for his hair, for this character. I think it's so distracting, and I wish he had something that made him, I feel like it unnecessarily aged him. That might have been what they were going for. I guess, but it did not. No, it definitely wasn't. They were trying to make him look younger with that hair, for sure. Well, And that's what I'm saying. Like, just make it look normal. Think about haircuts in 2007, though. That was probably a pretty normal haircut in 2007. No fucking way, man. I mean, how is he getting Jessica Biel with that hair? I'm sorry, with the right haircut, that's not happening either. It was destiny. I mean. (laughs) It was destiny. Doesn't matter about the hair, man. It was gonna happen. That hair, it. it, it okay, well, th- she obviously. Loves I'm it. hung up on it. She obviously loves it because they go out to Flagstaff. She's like teaches on a Native American reservation there, and once a week, whatever helps out. So they're like hiding out there, or no? They're hiding out at some. They're not even hiding there. out. You're right. They're not hiding out at all. Well, they kind of. He, he just he happens is. to say, hey, I need to go to Flagstaff because he's played it out multiple times. And he finds out that's where she's going. Well, right. He's, he's still hiding out, too, though, because he is still trying to avoid the FBI who are now saying the nuclear threat is imminent. You now have the right. Julianne Moore's like, I need the right to go kidnap this dude so we can use him. And Director Wisdom's like. Go kidnap his ass. That's fine. Go do it. He's all like, Jimmy Beave over here saying, do it. But the bad guys are like right on their ass. And they're like, well, since they're going to go kidnap him, we're going to go murder him. They're going to lead us right to him. This is really good. And Nicholas Cage is like, this is really good because my hair just seduced Jessica Biel and we had sex and now we're in love. She was looking mighty fine in that towel. Yeah, she was. I'm whatever on Jessica Biel. I think she is extremely attractive. I think she's attractive, but she doesn't do anything for me, personally. I mean, I'm all about it. I can recognize she's very good looking, but there's something about her that doesn't do it. I think part of it is that she's such a bad actress, I can't appreciate how good looking she is while she's acting. I'm down. I get it. That's fine. Um, (laughs) But here's what I want to point out to everyone. It's from this point, this point forward, that everything we see doesn't actually happen oh no yeah because he fucks her and then they wake up and they're laying in bed but we don't find this out until what like three minutes before the movie actually ends no maybe like a minute and a half okay i was trying to give them a little bit of uh, of credit but they get less than that i'm gonna do a minute about a minute before this movie ends they reveal that everything that happens from when they bone to that minute 
isn't real. It's all a dream in his fucking head about how this is going to play out. Yeah, it's not a dream. It's just like a, a premonition. You know what I'm saying, man. None of it happens. It's fake. It's the dream scenario. The Wizard of Oz, you wake up and none of it was real. And it may, I should have seen it coming is what makes me mad. But at the other point, they shouldn't have taken advantage of me as a fucking viewer like that. And made me invest in this shitty world that I didn't like anyway. And then just pull the rug out from under me right at the end and go, ha ha, none of this happened. See, I don't have a problem with any of that because I think it makes sense with the movie. But the part that really fucking pisses me off is he he wakes up and he's all like, oh, hey, Julianne Moore. So I'll do it. But we got to leave my sweet fucking hot Jessica Biel out of the mix. Leave her alone and I'll say goodbye to her and I'll fucking come with you and I'll save the world. Well, because in the fucking story that they weave for us that never actually happens, even though he stops her from being blown up on a rooftop, the nuke still ends up going off and they all still end up dying that way. So Well, it's because he made a mistake. Of course he made a fucking mistake. He made a mistake by getting involved in any of this bullshit in the first place, although it was against his will. No, but he ends up going and doing it in the end. We don't know. And that's what I'm saying. He goes to help. We don't know if he fucking succeeds, though. And that's the thing. That's what pisses me off. All he says to to Jessica is he's all like, hey, she's like, he's like, I got to go do something. I've put it off as long as I possibly can. I'll come find you if it's in a month. If it's in a week, if it's in a year, if it's in a decade, if it's in 50 years, if it's after you're dead, if it's after I'm dead, I will come and I will find you, baby girl, and I will love you forever. Which is like the same thing he said in his premonition. It was so yeah. t- it was so touching and st- stupid, and I hated it. But she was, like, wet for him. She's like, it oh, come hair. back to bed, Nick. Come it, back to bed. It was the hair, man. She wanted to run her fingers through it. It's so thin. She could easily do that. It's so thin? Yeah. I mean, you could run your fingers through thick hair, too, you know, like pretty easily. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Shut up, you. So fuck you. Well, Beale is supposed to drug Nick Cage at the FBI's insistence. To, I'm assuming, negate his powers? In the dream, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's cover what happens in the dream because it's... Okay, so this is the dream sequence that we're going to cover. Yeah, she's picked up by the FBI and they're like, drug this dude so that we can come scoop him up. And the baddies are listening in and they're like, yeah, 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 that's where we're going to shoot him first, though. Let's Let's shoot him. And he ends up doing this whole log scene. I don't know if you brought up the graphics of it earlier. I don't know if you want to talk about... It was absolutely garbage. Like, I actually wrote down, I was like, wow, these special effects are really bad. But you know what they did? And I can't remember what, was it the Captain America movie or was it another one where, like, he, like, ducks like that underneath, like, some cars that crash on top of him? Yeah. This movie did this first with the trees coming down, like, ducking just in time. And I don't know if there was a superhero type movie before this that did that, but it was right during this sequence that for the first time I really started thinking this feels like a superhero movie because now it's playing like a superhero movie. And that's when it should have clicked in my head, this shit isn't fucking happening. That's when I should have realized they're yanking my fucking chain. But it showed earlier in the movie that he could do stuff like this. But they only showed him doing it for the two minutes at a time. Wouldn't he have seen that he was going to get knocked out by that log if he saved her too? Yeah, like he... Or did he not have enough time to look ahead and see what was going to happen unless he saved her at that moment? I I think it was he didn't have enough time to really execute it perfectly because he decided at the last second. I don't think he thought she was going to sit there and wait for it. She threw him off by being like, you're going to save me, right? I would have let her fucking die. I'm like, bye, bitch. That's not Frank Cadillac's way, though, man. Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Frankenstein Cadillac. Like, I'm going to name myself Mummy Chevrolet. Like, how is Frankenstein one of your favorite things? Like, and does he mean, like, actual Frankenstein? Like, Dr. Frankenstein or Frankenstein's monster? I'm going to guess he means the universal version of the Frankenstein story. That's what most people are referring to when they say Frankenstein. I think the average person refers to Frankenstein as the monster and not actual Frankenstein. 
yeah, I refer to Frankenstein's monster as Frankenstein because it's fucking easier yeah. and you know exactly what I mean. Like, you know exactly who I'm talking about, and I get to say one last word, and we don't have to sit here and jerk off how smart we are because we know that the monster is hey, not Frankenstein. I'm fucking like, smart, fucking and I'm going to jerk myself off about it. <laughs> it's Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to jerk off my mind muscle. Oh, that's a, that's a quote right there. You, you fucking, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Sounds like a good tweet. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and tweet that out from the 50 Randy Quaid's account. So Beale goes ahead and puts that fucking pill in the orange juice. But then at the last second, is like, no, baby, don't drink it. You're going to die. <laughs> they told me you're a sociopath. I hope you're not. You're not, right? And he's, he's like, like, well, nope. I can see the future. And let me prove it to you. And he proves to her that he can see the future. And he's like, but it's only two minutes and it's only really about me. Probably how much that sex lasted. I mean, I'd take it. But then, like, after that crazy fucking scene with the fucking, you know, him saving her, the the bad guy, Julianne Moore, he saves her. And she's, then, not, she's not the bad guy. She's the middle. She's one of the she's, bad guys. She's the middle bad guy who comes around by the end because Nick Cage comes right, in the dream, I'm saying. Because he yeah. ends up, like, joining the team because she's like, he's in charge. Hey, other FBI boys. Don't worry about it. This guy is now in charge of you because he can see two minutes into the future. But that was pretty dope, though, the way that he was just like, no. like, And he's just like pointing and shit like that. And then they're shooting. And, like, I thought that was really cool. Uh, but again, like, it's just so wild. And I should have realized, like, this isn't happening. Because then he, like, delivered a sweet chin music to one of the guards when he was breaking out. And he had all these other sweet fighting moves. That I'm like, why would this fucking magician who's just trying to lead a normal life know how to fight like this? It makes no fuck. No sense. I mean, it was pretty badass, though. Especially, too, where he, like, at the end, where he's fucking, like, dodging all the bullets and getting shot a bunch of times. And he's like, uh, uh, uh. And then one in the cage just, like, walking straight up. And he's like, I'm going to fuck your world up, Russian. It was badass until they fucking decided to go, hey, idiot viewer, guess what? None of that was real. He's not anywhere near as good at using that power as possible. It's just in his mind. He just thought about all that, but he couldn't actually do that, like dodge those bullets like that in real life. So it was like that really cool power he had isn't a cool power he actually has. I mean, maybe. I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't have any more evidence outside of I don't think so. And there's not another movie that follows this to give me more in this script. Well, I mean, it did prove that he was really good at escaping. And timing stuff. The first half of the movie definitely proved that his ability to get away was very good. But that was split-second gunshots, and he was dodging it like it was the fucking Matrix. Like, no. He doesn't have that ability. There's no fucking way. Not from what I got from the first half of the movie. He's not that good. I can't suspend my disbelief that far. Plus, that would have been his first time ever doing that. Right. Like, I don't think he's been in shootouts before like that, where he's just fucking Neo. Or after the trilogy that they could have given us, then they go back and they give us the prequel where they show us he actually has been doing that since he was a kid, but he just chooses to live a lowly life of a shitty bullshit magician in Las Vegas. So there's another thing I wrote down. Julianne Moore was a bad fucking casting choice. Because you know what this fucking movie was with the FBI fucking chasing this dude with powers? It's fucking X-Files, man. Where's Scully and Mulder? Oh, so you wanted Jillian? You wanted Jillian Anderson and fucking? Oh my god, dude, that was she would have. <laughs> that would have been fantastic. Jessica Biel would not be the hottest woman in this movie anymore. Oh no, I'll agree with Jillian. Jillian Anderson is who? Yeah, yeah, David Duchovny in this movie. Okay, well then it is just an X Files movie. No, next, no, but next, you, it's called Next you Files. Have, you just have you have David Duchovny pay, play her her partner that gets killed. Nah, man, you have them playing uh, their characters from the X Files. You call it Next Files, and it's a mashup. <laughs> that would have been the best. That's the that's how you turn this now. movie into what I rated it into a fifty. <laughs> So yeah, he does that gun thing. He saves Jessica Biel, but he can't save anything because the nuke goes off. And when the nuke goes off is when he wakes up back in bed the next morning. We find out that Dorothy is back in Kansas. And that's when he says, I'll do it, but under my terms. And then he meets Julianne Moore, and then they ride off into the credits, which fucking immensely angered me. 
And the credits scroll from the top down instead of from the bottom up. And shouldn't they started with like the end of the credits? It should yep. have been like special thanks. And then all the way up to fucking starring. But it didn't do it that way. Nope, they did it fucking... That's why I was like, if you're going to do this gimmick and you're not going to do it right, just don't do the fucking gimmick and just scroll the credits like normal people. Yeah. So even in the credits, they pissed me off in this movie. Because at first I was like, oh, that's interesting. But then I saw Nick Cage very early on. I'm like, oh, no, they did it wrong. Yeah, I didn't like that ending. I didn't like the credits. I didn't like any of that. I was angered by it because I wanted some sort of a resolution. I didn't get a resolution. And I was like, instantly, you're going to lose fucking points. And I would have boned Jessica Biel one more time. I would have saw, like, what happens in two minutes? Okay, let's do this. Listen, the whole LA area might be blown up by a nuclear bomb, but I need to try and bone at least one more time. I bet you. Well, it's not happening in the next. I'm minutes. like, shit, let's go to New York. Then there's no point in talking to this FBI agent. That's then. true. You're not going to be able to stop it in the next. Plus, I don't see how they think that seeing in a two minute window is going to be able to find where this nuclear bomb is. Like, you're going to have to drive around fucking wherever, LA. Unless they already have people for two minutes at a they time. They have people on every corner of every street in LA just waiting for the call. Unless it, they put this like in the X Men universe and they have the what is it Cerebro? Is it what yeah. it's called that Xavier puts on his yeah. head? Yeah, no, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Unless you've got her next to him, if she is that kind of conduit, amplifying his abilities so that he can see even further into the future and actually be helpful. But they don't explore that idea at all. Even if you just explored the idea of her being more important than they gave, they let us actually know in this movie, it would make this movie better. Well, they mentioned that there's That's something. That's not enough, though. If you're especially if you're not going to give me like anything, like it's just it's frustrating. That's one of my biggest gripes is there was a lot of potential to the story here, and I don't know the original story this was based off of by Philip K. Dick. Like I don't know how close this was or how far off this was, or if they give me more answers like that. But as far as this movie, just getting no answers to anything was super frustrating. Extremely frustrating. Because even he even tells us, he's like, oh, yeah, I was born with it. He's just like, I just don't know. How, like, I don't know why I have See, it that I'm okay or with. how. That I'm okay with not knowing why or how he has it. And I'm okay with him having it since he was a kid, which helps to explain definitely why he wouldn't know. It's just there. Like, I'm okay with that. But if you're going to introduce further mystery, like why does him being close to her make him better at this? I need something with that. Like, is she is does she have an ability too that she doesn't know about? And that's kind of what I was getting to was like he mentions he's like, yeah, I've had this forever, and I've only ever been able to see two minutes ahead, except for the one time I saw you. And he mentioned that multiple times, too. That wasn't even the first time yeah. he brought that up. And it was just like, all right, so he's like, I gotta find I gotta find you and figure out what the fuck it is that, like, why, what do you mean? Like, and there's just, there, like you were saying, there's a lot of potential left. I feel like he goes on that last mission, he leaves, and he doesn't bring her with, so he doesn't have his potential conduit with him. He's going to fail, and that nuke is still going to go off. That's why they don't show us what happens, because it's a sad fucking ending, and everyone dies. Well, not everyone, everyone just everyone, people over everyone. there. Everyone. That sets off No, chain, I'm pretty sure we would have been okay here. sets off a chain reaction, and every nuke everywhere on the world is set off to everywhere on the world, and then the world is over as we know it. Well, I'm glad that didn't happen. That's how what I see in my premonition. Two minutes ahead, world destruction. Well, you're not a you're not a precognitive you don't, you don't uh, magician. You don't know that. I'm a bullshit magician. I do know that you are not. You don't that. know anything. I know a lots of things. That's debatable. This portion of the podcast is uh, we're we're about to rate it on a scale of one to fifty Randy Quaid's, where one is the absolute worst. You know, it's the horrible one. And then 50, that's the absolute best. It's like, you know, this is the best movie ever. And 2 to 50, 49, anywhere in between. Literally anywhere in between. IMDb gives the movie next 31 out of 50 Randy Quaid's. 31? Feel like it's Correct. 31? Generous. Okay, I'm sorry. 31. Right, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to give this a 50 minus 43 for a total of 7. Wow, you fucking hated this oh, movie, only huh? Only because... Of the potential of the story that existed that I hung my hopes and dreams on, but ultimately had them dashed. 
Because not only do they not execute on the story, no one really executes in their performance. Because even as much as I'm liking Nick Cage on the screen, he's still not, it's not good. You can tell he doesn't give a fuck about the same this movie the same way. No one else in this movie gives a fuck about this movie. Or at least that's what it feels like. As we've touched on, the graphics were bad. Like, we've already covered everything that I hated about this movie. And it wasn't even so bad that it could be good. In any way. I'll never watch it again. I'll never recommend it to anyone. I won't buy it. I won't think about it ever again. This movie will never be next in my viewing rotation. Alright, so I guess I'll go next. I actually really enjoyed this movie. I had said multiple times to Johnny Spade while watching it. I was like, this movie is fucking stupid. But I really am enjoying it. And then the end just fucking shattered the movie i'm still gonna give this movie a 28 because i did really enjoy the majority of it i thought it was fun to watch uh you don't have to pay attention no as much time jumping (laughs) and stuff like that as there kind of is and as much clock watching there are there is you really you can be multitasking while you're watching this movie it's a pretty straightforward premise uh it's interesting enough and cool and has a lot of potential but this movie completely drops the ball on all of those even starting with wardrobe and hair choices uh for nicholas cage the one true god he does not look the way i believe they are trying to portray him to look you wouldn't have kissed nicholas cage in this movie if i was a woman attracted to nicholas cage no i wouldn't Thanks for clarifying, Chuck. But um, I definitely would have did everything that Nicolas Cage's character, Chris Johnson, playing Frank Cadillac, got to do with uh, Jessica Biel. To be fair, we don't really know what they got to do because there was no sex scene. PG-13, he might have just tickled their feet a little. I mean, I'm down. Maybe he just got a little handy. I'm not I'm not even like into feet. but Yeah, maybe it was man. just a little mutual masturbation. I guess I'd do that with Jessica Biel, though. You guess? You guess you would? <laughs> yeah, you I'm don't not, know. I'm sure I mean, I'd be like, I, I I'm 100% I would sure I would. Yeah, I'd have I, to be I, in this scenario. Yeah, if I were ever in that scenario, I guess I'd consider it at least. I guess. I mean, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I really would not recommend this movie to anybody because <laughs> the end is so bad that it's, it's really not worth watching. Although... I still thought it was a better movie. And that's why, like, I was even telling Johnny Spade while we were watching it, or, like, right after we finished it, I was like, wow, that was, like, nearing 40s for me. Really? Just because I just, I thought it was stupid fun. Stupid, yes. I I like the premise and everything like that, but I agree with you on a lot of cases where it was just, like, the a lot of small things you change in this movie, and it's, all of a sudden, a really good movie. You're still going to need better performances, though. In my opinion. In my opinion. I feel like even with the same sort of performances, a few tweaks, this movie is the fucking... This movie's getting a 50 out of 50. If you call this movie Next Files, okay. it's got... All right. Next Files gets a 50. <laughs> but I'm going to stick with... Because originally, yeah, I think I originally was going to rate this movie about a 38. And then after it had a, a not ending, it was like it was like they took the last 25 minutes of this movie and they're like, it has to be under 137 minutes. Where are we at? Well, if we cut the last 20, we'll be at 136 minutes. All right, do it. Like, that's what I felt like happened. Like, they just cut the last 20 minutes of the movie and was just like, yeah, we'll just end it like this. It was nine. It was it was it was 96 minutes. It was an hour and 36 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was 90. Not 136 minutes, an hour and 36 minutes. It was minutes. not that's over two say. hours. 136 would have been the time that you might be looking for. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, another 136 right, minutes. Just another 20 minutes in this, and I don't think I could have made it through it. I'd have turned it off and for the first time in 50 Randy Quaid's history said, I don't know what happened at the end of this because they got so mad I turned it off. Really? No. I no, feel like we watched The Boy in Blue. Okay, but the circumstances of watching that were different. I'd have to watch it alone where it's way more tempting to just turn off some shit I hate. Like that was that was I me, guess. you, and Mother Butler when we were riffing on it the whole time. So that was fun. That movie was so fucking long. I think I rated that a two. So I obviously think it's worse than this movie. Yeah, I think I rated it like a one and a half. It was very bad. Let's talk about what you want to rate this, uh, Johnny. I'm going to give it a 15. 
A one five. I think the more we talked about it, the more I think it, the less I like this movie. I love when that happens. For one, like I thought before I've been watching this movie when I like read the thing, I thought that he was gonna it was gonna like him getting these powers and then trying to like save the world from this bomb or save LA or whatever, not the world. But then he just has them and it goes in this weird direction. And then the whole like his two minute power thing, once it goes like further along, I just am thinking and trying to like pick apart or maybe not even pick apart. Well, yeah, pick apart and try to understand what the fuck the rules are in this. And I think with them being vague about what it is, it makes it less possible for you to try to argue potholes. And then I was thinking more that like they touch on like some existential themes. Like when they're in the car, he brings up destiny and she talks about things being preordained. And then at the end, he has that line. um, Once you see the future, it changes. But they never like this movie never hits a level for them to really be talking about that sort of thing. If that makes any sense. They put these ideas out into the ether, but they don't explore them at all. Which makes sense, because those ideas are a little bit deeper than even just explaining what a character means. So it makes sense they wouldn't explore something more more heady than that, like existentialism. or Like she was saying, life should be fun, it shouldn't be preordained. And he's like, well it's not really, but also it follows this thread where things are definitely going to happen before they happen but then you can influence them and that's where his power would come into play i would think if you were going to explore that further well, yeah just the way my brain works when it's like time stuff like that i just try to think about what's going on do you like it when they leave it vague like that like here where they didn't really explain the rules is that easier for you or do you like them to get into the nitty-gritty of how it's supposed to work i like it better when they explain it i like it better when they explain it too because it feels like then they have thought more about it and they tried to make the world more believable and try to cover every aspect that they think that they can cover sometimes i hate time travel movies even even though this wasn't time travel but it deals with that sort of thing I'm kind of considering it in that realm for sure. Like, it isn't strictly. And I love some time travel movies. Like, there's that movie Primer, I think I've talked about it before, where that one was really good. Mm-hmm. And there's the Bruce yeah, Willis. Uh, Looper. Looper's. Looper. Looper's really That good. was fucking fantastic. The people that did Looper talked to the guy that did Primer and asked him what they thought about their time travel idea. I don't think, I think I've talked about it on here before Primer, but. I, I think, think so, yeah. I think we talked about it I and Looper before. I have not seen it. I need to see it. Looper was cool. Plus, I love fucking Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's a uh, favorite. Yeah, but this one definitely left it vague on how all that shit worked. And I don't mind if you leave it vague, because then it... Like you said, it makes it harder to pick apart how it works. And I... Because that's the problem with a lot of time travel. If you look at how they created it, you're going to find something that doesn't work in their logic eventually. Especially in something that's a series. I'm sure... I don't know for sure, but I guarantee you there are fuck-ups in the way that they handle time travel and Back to the Future in terms of, like, they broke the rules somehow. I'm sure, but but it doesn't matter, and that's why, in the end, I don't care whether they explain them or not, because even if they break them, if the story is good enough, I'm still going to be interested in what you're doing. I think they brought that up with, like, the Avengers movies, the last one, where, uh, spoilers if you've never seen the final Avengers movies, when uh, Captain America picks up Thor's hammer... I think people poked holes in that, and the writers of the movie said, "Yeah, we know, but it was just too cool to not have that happen." Right. Well, I just it doesn't it doesn't matter to me if it breaks the rules. I don't care. I just I don't care. That's why I just leave it vague. That way, I can't get. I don't. I don't even get that hung up on it unless you're going to portray to me that those rules are super important and they matter. And if they get broken, it's going to be a big deal. Then I just don't care. In the Avengers movies, it didn't really matter whether or not he could pick up that hammer or not it doesn't affect yeah i didn't even think about it like the end of that fucking movie starts hitting so hard i was yeah i agree with you there that's a different discussion for another time because it's a little more complex for me than that yeah this movie wasn't hitting hard like that for me to not be no 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 definitely not hitting hard so yeah i wouldn't watch it again i wouldn't recommend it so i think we all uh agree that we would not recommend this movie and we all also can agree that you can catch all of our new episodes on apple Podcasts and at 50 randy and of course on spotify you can follow us at 50 randy quids on twitter and like us on facebook and of course 50 randy
You know that's right. And next time on 50 Randy Quaid's is our sixth annual Christmas edition. And that will be episode 119. And we actually uh, have a grab bag because we were initially going to do the movie Free Guy starring Ryan Reynolds. But that movie's uh, release date got bumped and is no longer going to be in the time frame we roughly need it to be in. So we here at 50 Randy Quaid's picked about six movies. And our guest host is going to pick the movie out of the Magic Deadpool hat. Are we going to reveal the six movies that could be picked, or are we just going to reveal the winner only? What do you say? All right, so let's see if I can remember all six of them. We got A Medea Christmas. We got Black Christmas 2. We got Santa's Sleigh. We got Santa with Muscles. We got Jingle All the Way, and we've got The Ten. Is that six? That's all six. All right, here it is. And the movie is Santa's Sleigh. Oh, shit. And we are watching Santa's Sleigh for the 6th annual Christmas edition here at 50 Randy Quaid's. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to watch Santa with muscles on my own time. But I'm definitely looking forward to watching Santa's Sleigh starring Bill Goldberg. I've never seen it before. Yes. I've never seen it. Either have I. Well, until next time. We watch movies so you don't have to. Peace Peace out. out.